Hey, hi, you're listening to Jen and the Phone Critic. <laughs> okay, that's your new catchphrase. <laughs> we found it, everyone. Okay. In mm. our seventh episode. I can't genuinely say hi, hi, I'm gonna. I think okay. you might. You might in the edit. I might. I think I might. <laughs> Hi everyone, I'm Paul. Oh, Paul, what are we talking about today? <laughs> we are talking about the British Film Institute's Flair Festival. British Film, British Institute. Film Institute. Nothing says radical, sort of liberated spirit of uh, filmmaking than the British Film Institute. Institute. They're actually very good. They're very yeah, good supporting young talent. And <laughs> they really they've put on a wonderful festival here to celebrate all LGBTQI plus uh, filmmakers sort of new and emergent new and emergent established and and emergent emergent. (laughs) (laughs) the new ones that you saw coming and the ones you didn't um yeah long established and also sort of new and yeah they've put on another great program of films and we're gonna talk about some of the ones that we've seen yes i saw some of them you came and saw some of them and you you had a long a long short list of films that you wanted to see at this thing it was yeah, very hard to take to make favorites because there was a lot of good stuff this mm-hmm. year. It came to, it came down to logistics in the end, I think. Yeah, well, it's always kind of handy when that yeah. happens because otherwise you just do what <laughs> I do during the regular film festival and just completely burn out. Oh, yeah, overbook yeah. yourself and get shingles. Yeah. So <laughs> it's best not to do that. That's not a big part of their publicity. The BFI come <laughs> here, you will get shingles, but <laughs> it it does happen to most. We start with Sublime. Sublime. Yes, Mariano. Bazin's, yeah, Bazin, that sounds right. Bazin? Bazin? Was it, this, was it the Argentinian guy? Yeah. The, yeah. Probably. Okay. Actually, he's Argentinian. Who knows? Oh, God. Absolutely no idea. Mariano Smith's coming-of-age drama <laughs> about a, uh, a young boy growing up in a small coastal town in Argentina uh, where he is a bass player in a band. He's bassist, mm. isn't he? Yeah, bassist. Yeah, he's, he's the, the bassist. bassist. He's the bassist. He's, and the basis for this bassist is that he is he's a, a a gay young man who is finding himself attracted to or at the very least bisexual because he does have a bit yeah, of a dalliance, doesn't he? He's just a teen guy. He's just a teen guy who just realized... sex or everything, like we all did. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he's also realized that one of those things he'd like to have sex with is his best friend. Who's yes. also in the band. Who is in the band as the songwriter and guitarist, I believe, but not vocalist, right? Lead guitarist, was... but not lead vocalist, yeah. That's the one, yes. Um, so, yes, and the, it's just about the sort of tension between him and this bandmate who he has this attraction with, but also a friendship with, mm. but also has various other sort of sources of tension going on as well, including musical tension, because there is sort of, yeah, dispute there with regards to, you know, the nature of the sound and the music and what they're doing. Oh, yeah. And band it drama. just band drama. There's plenty of band Teen drama band which you'd drama. love to see. Teen yeah. band drama is a better title for this film, yeah. but they went with Sublime, and <laughs> it's just a really wonderful sort of nostalgic look, but also a relatively gritty one mm. of, at this small Argentinian town, which obviously looks picturesque and beautiful because it is. But nevertheless, he finds the sort of darker hues and the more uh, subdued and relatable. Uh, environments. The whole thing takes part in this like apartment complex that's fairly grey. 
Mm. Um, you know, the way, and they're just sort of traveling back and forth between these very small little rooms in order to have this relationship, uh, friendship, mm. uh, which is spiraling into weirder places and it leads them into more and more erratic action. Yeah, it has these moments of sort of beauty and profound sentimentality and attachment between the two. Uh, yeah, played out in this environment that you get the impression they both kind of want to get away from and that the music is going to be an opportunity to do so. Yeah, it's. I guess the uh, the main guy, his parents are... Um, oh, yeah. They're arguing, and so it's a little bit tense at home, and then he's got the drama of, like... Yeah. You know, realising he's in love with his best friend. Yeah. Which um, I found very interesting. I read the show notes afterwards, and I think it was in mm. there that I read that the guy was like, I want the real drama to not be that he's like, oh, my gosh, I'm gay. Because what I loved mm. is that everyone he said it to, did, no one went, oh, yeah. you're gay. The real drama is that he's in fallen in love with his best friend. <laughs> yes, that's good. That's good, and it's, it's taking us into new places, I think. Yeah, um, and I really liked that. <laughs> you see so, that. You see that we're moving into a new phase now where the drama doesn't have to be about necessarily stigma although it's still important to capture that because it still exists mm. and people mustn't you know forget that that stigma is out there and affecting people but it's really nice to have movies that are just about gay characters where the drama isn't about them coming to terms with the fact that they are gay but are rather you know the same sort of dramas and and aff- afflictions that happen to all of us yeah such as unwanted sexual feelings and it's a really interesting exploration of that and the yeah. way in which it relates to music and these wonderful sequences of them sort of performing together, mm. which then end up being these weird kind of intimate moments that mm. it creates. Because, yeah, there, there are some really good attitudes that you see come towards him, in, yeah. in particular from his, uh, I don't want to go into spoilers here, but his dad as well is also yeah. very, Just you know. Just chill. <laughs> yeah, very There's chill. No, it's really nice not to see like some, you know, macho response yeah. to it of just dad being like, oh. Yeah, absolutely. And that's really good. I really enjoyed Sublime. <laughs> I really do enjoyed it too. I had a lot of fun. I came yeah. out feeling very positive from that. I, for me personally, yeah. for me personally, as a bisexual woman, I really enjoyed watching a film where it was just like, yeah, just everyone was nice about it, really. Yeah. No one like, yeah. you know, at no point in this film is he about to get beaten up down a back alley because yeah. he's gay. It's like, no, he's just got some feelings and everyone's kind of like chill and, you know, they've got girlfriends and yes. various things. And it's mostly about just drama between these teens yeah feet haven't having romance you know dealing with yeah. romantic feelings and how awkward that is yeah um so i really it's liked all, it all the teen yeah. band drama you could you could hope yeah for. and i really liked the last scene i thought the end scenes just was really yeah that was great and no they were very left good and such a positive moment and i love that the director said that that was not originally planned mm. but they just they took it that way anyway and he realized that that was like the nice the nicest yeah. ending he could give it yeah just a very optimistic sort of place to leave it yeah and i like the way he talked about um how they all came and none of them knew how to play their instruments because he wanted oh, actors, actors first yes yeah, yeah he wanted except actors for the first drummer oh yeah that's right the drummer, teach because... drumming no that's yes that's right this is a harder discipline and it kind of holds the the group together yeah um but yeah it was really interesting to hear how they all bonded together and sort of became friends as a result of playing yeah. music together and yeah. there is that sense here that the music is what keeps them together and even when they can't see yeah. eye to eye when they play together they're sort of harmonizing yeah. and it makes yeah. sense but that becomes very protective because then when an interloper comes into that environment it feels very difficult mm. for them to perform which is yeah really yeah, emphasizes like the intimacy of the act yeah and then writing songs together and oh, just yeah. these little moments particularly between the two best friends yeah just these moments of them trying to create something and then getting distracted by girls or 
yeah. having a drink or just some other drama that's going on or just yeah, school yeah. work. And, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I yeah. really liked that. I thought it was very sweet. I enjoyed it. And um, mm. absolutely. Yeah. It just seemed, yeah, it's, it's fun. And they're not the greatest band in the world, but they're decent. <laughs> you know, they're pretty good. Yeah, and they're, they they're just in this small, unspecified coastal town. And, you know, for them, yeah. it's huge. So Absolutely. Oh, and yeah, over the show co- at the end. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Over the course of it, they're preparing for one of them's, it's their birthday yeah. and they're throwing a party in their backyard and yeah. they're going to perform. The band's going yeah. to perform. Yeah. And that's what they're building towards. So they're rehearsing. <laughs> that's the big show. Yeah. <laughs> the big show, exactly. Is a friend's it's back just, garden. <laughs> it's very sweet. It's really, really sweet. I enjoyed it. Yeah. yeah. And f- yeah, I thought it was nice. Nice it's film. It's very good. Yeah. Now let's talk about the same movie. Um, <laughs> it's not really. It's, uh, it's Sirens. <laughs> yes. It's uh, So this is uh, Rita Baghdadi's uh, movie about. Now, uh, what's the nationality of this one? This is um, Lebanon. It's from Lebanon. That's right. Beirut. She's Moroccan. She was Moroccan um, mm. American, and she. Oh yeah. So this is a documentary. We should say from the right. Off yes, the top. we should say yes. Yeah, it's a, this is a documentary that feels fairly dramatized. Like it's not a talking head style documentary. No, no. It's very much a sort of cinema verite kind of follow them about. Yeah. Um, and capture them in you know natural scenes, which are sometimes extraordinary that they have the footage that they have, and that yeah. the, you know the bandmates you know performed. Acted, were happy to act in the way that they did whilst the film was being made mm. um, and it was made entirely over COVID if I remember correctly they started filming yeah. in like 2019 and then you know yeah. the, part of the director's main drive she explained was to make something that wasn't about how miserable Lebanon is uh, in Beirut she um, mm. yeah she wanted to make it sort of seem like a really uh, a vibrant city and a live city and get away from the various problems it had and then almost immediately when they started filming you had two lockdowns you had the um, protests and you had the explosion yeah and so suddenly things had to be included and she in- integrates these elements in a really interesting way yeah where it gives you a very non-cliched view of what life is like in this particular city yeah yeah mm. While still being driven by the drama between the bandmates. Yes, because and... it is once again a movie in which Bands. we have <laughs> we have a band and we have sexual and other tension mm. between uh, the the sort of main character we're following around, which is Lilas, mm. who is who is she? She's the is she the bass player again? Oh, I'm starting to blur everyone together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we have two bandmates, Lilas yes. and Sh- and Sherry. There's yeah. um. Yeah, there's tension there, which erupts in in various ways. And it's an all-female metal band. The Middle um, Easts only. In the Middle East only, all-female metal band. band. And they have a sort of new metal kind of sound of lots of growling and heavy guitars. Yeah. Um, And they come to Glastonbury at one stage to play one of the smaller stages. (laughs) A tiny Um, stage. A tiny little stage where a few people show up. And it's so good. Those were, that was one of the moments where I was like, was this scripted? Because she edited it in such a like mm. funny way, but that was also kind of sweet that, you know, yeah. they're playing, they're playing, they're putting, oh, they're so excited about it being, this is a, their first trip to Glastonbury. So yeah. excited about being invited to Glastonbury. And one of their first trips out as well. Because yeah. They get like parental permission. Because they're all, all like, yeah. they're all in their 20s, aren't they? But a lot of I them, you know, so. they're girls still unmarried yeah. and living at home or exactly. whatever. And We're mostly following issues the last, So we mostly yeah. see her family set up, but she's still living at home. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, they get to Glastonbury and they're like talking about how they should be dynamic on the stage and whatever. And then they're yeah. doing it. And then it just cuts and there's like 10 people watching oh. them. And I just thought <laughs> and- that was so funny 
funny but also really sweet and yeah and yeah. they come off and they're just like well the people at the front seem to really like it yeah yeah i think one of the other bandmates who's not either of the two leads is just like um that went really well i'd have liked it if there were more people yeah <laughs> yeah awesome <laughs> Um, so we should say the it's, name of the band. The name of the band is um, Slave to Sirens. Slave to Sirens, that's it. And it's a real band. Yes, absolutely. So you yeah. can actually go listen to them. Um, yeah. And yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, because, you know, it's a comic moment, the sort of failure of Glastonbury. But generally speaking, they, it's definitely an upward trajectory in which yes, they sort of... absolutely. Because they... Oh, God. The, the, the biggest thing I remember them doing is that they end up performing at some sort of... What is it now? An anti... Um, or a, is it an explosion memorial concert that they have? There is a concert. Yeah, two of the band members. This is during their rockier period, I think. Yes. Two of the, the two it's... lead guitarists, which I think the two lead guitarists are Sherry and Lilas. Uh, yeah, I think and, they are. And uh, they end up um, getting a gig where they're playing as part of a ma- massive orchestra on a, a live, yeah. a national broadcast. Um, yeah. But they also get to go back to Glastonbury. Yeah. What's the end? So, uh, oh, which yes, goes a lot yeah. better the second time around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely yeah. a sort of it follows on that traditional band storyline of you know sort of rags to riches. Yeah, kind of with thing some that's going drama on. in the middle. With some drama in the middle and but it's a all very real. an interesting sort of uh, yeah sexuality based um, mm. aspect to the whole thing because she it, we are also exploring what it's like to sort of live gay life in Lebanon at the point when the yeah. film is being made. Yeah, so you know there's some interesting. Very sort of insights there particularly because um she didn't start off as wanting to film it about yes a story about being gay in lebanon it started as the director wanting to film this cool all-female rock metal band yeah in lebanon and have some you know explore some of her own roots and whatever yeah and then lilas she said open you know she came to her and said i want to let's film this part of life as well and, yeah, which uh, I think is necessary. And it yeah. may have been, she may have been a little naive in thinking that that part of life can just be separated out. Yeah, perhaps. Because whilst, yes, you absolutely do want to just celebrate the story and not get bogged down in, you know, the grittier realities sometimes, but ultimately those things do exist and they mm-hmm. can't easily be edited out of a person's life. Absolutely. So I think all of these things that came crowding in really just shows the sort of amount of noise and pressure that exists in the lives of these bandmates. And yeah. Yeah, it was really interesting to hear how the development happened because it happens so naturally. The, oh, the yeah. scene in which the explosion happens and then it sort of Oof. cuts into, you know, the chaos of their, one of their performances was really mm. natural and exciting. And my favorite, I mean, the shot of the movie, I think, even she acknowledged that this is like one of the best parts of the yeah. movie is when the two of them are finally, they've come together again and they're discussing experiences of um, a sort of, a date that she had yeah. had the night before. Yeah. And just as they lean in to sort of show pictures, a, a massive, what, what, what is the protest? Is it, um... it's just a general anti-government protest yeah. going past. Yeah. I think it just suddenly swarms around them and sort of goes mm. past and they're still immersed in what they're doing, but there's all these protesters going past and the timing could not be planned better. No, um, it's a perfect yeah. shot. <laughs> it's a perfect shot. And it's the, it's just wonderful because it has like a three minute lead in. Yeah. of them chatting before this happens and the scene naturally comes to a close just yeah. after the people yeah. have started walking past. It's brilliant. So, yeah, it was a really good film. A really interesting one. A lot going on. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was probably one of the best ones of the year. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I loved the way it was shot and edited yeah. and I thought the people on camera were incredibly natural, really yeah. sympathetic yeah. Uh, people. I mean, you know, of course they are. They're people. Um, yeah. But I really... Um, appreciated the efforts to show both what Lebanon's going through 
in that yeah. it's going through a very difficult time right now and a lot yeah. of stuff is happening and it has mm. happened over the past few years but also yeah. that you know there's still normal people living there yeah <laughs> anything that life. shows a positive attitude you know positive yeah views of the middle east that aren't stereotyped and show individuals yeah. living their lives and yes dealing with problems so you know we're not, yeah. we're not saying everything's perfect but yeah. i really enjoyed that um, no absolutely yeah. yeah and i loved i loved seeing coverage of things like the relationship between um uh lilas and her mother mm. like yes. that was really interesting yes. to hear the sort of interactions they would have yes. and the mother's own attitudes towards her daughter and her concerns and yeah yeah that was all really interesting really interesting very natural very natural very yeah, yeah. Very, very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Great documentary. Okay. okay. We move on to things that I saw on my own. Oh, how wanderer, dare you? A lone wanderer in the world of flair. Mm. And my favorite Ooh. discovery is Manscaping. 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 This is Broderick Fox's documentary about issues around grooming and in particular mm. creating safe spaces for this incredibly intimate act yeah. and it really resonated with when, me when you have... say grooming you mean like bodily grooming right partially also just getting your hair cut because yes. <laughs> it's 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 interesting oh i see what you mean yes yeah. very much so yeah. <laughs> yes yeah. i miss that word yeah. nevertheless <laughs> um correct yes so because I always remember from like being a kid that I always felt very uncomfortable getting my hair cut. Mm. I always felt very much like one of the main characters describes. It's a very, it can be a very hyper masculine uh, environment, mm. um, which can make people uncomfortable and or make me uncomfortable. And yeah, it's just an interesting level of intimacy that you need to affect with a stranger to have yeah. someone sort of cut your hair, which uh, can be tricky. Um, as and so it was very interesting to see that explored in a way. You know, where obviously much bigger issues are playing in here because we meet three people, essentially. An artist whose work is often themed around hairdressing and specifically his experiences of trying to get a haircut as a gay black man. Mm. And we get to hear a lot about the intersectionality mm. of that. He talks about, you know, if I go to a sort of um, a gay... Uh, I've been to, like, women's salons and, you know, places that do, you know, gay people's hair or and like that. Yeah. And they, they would say, oh, sorry, we don't know how to do your hair. Right. Meaning a black person's black hair. hair. So yeah. he experiences racist discrimination as a result. You know, he's mm. sort of pointing out, you know, it's anyone else's hair. But then he'll go to a black male hairdresser's uh, place and suddenly he feels the need to quiet the sort of... Um, he feels the need to sort of conform to heteronormative yeah. expectations of mm. him, behaviors of him. And so there's, there's a really interesting aspect there where there is, you know, there are hairdressers for black men. There are hairdressers for gay people. There is not hairdressers for... Gay black people. <laughs> gay black people. Yeah. And so he finds himself completely locked out of this out of this service. So that's one of the characters. Then we have a transgender man who is running an inclusive barbershop called Big Bros Barbershop mm -hmm. uh, that offers a safe space for transgender and gender nonconforming customers to feel welcome and supported. Cool. Yeah, which is really interesting. And, you know, it, it talks about how the ways in which he why he felt it was necessary and the ways in which he goes out of his way to make people feel comfortable. Mm. Um and, you know, the extra services he offers, you know, he has like, um, uh, around the back, he, he also offers secondhand, uh, now let me get the phraseology here, packers and binders. Okay, yeah. Uh, for people who are sort of beginning their journey of transitioning. And he talks very affectionately about the idea that yeah. what the tradition is that, you know, up until you get your um, gender confirming uh, surgery, you then donate the things yeah. that you needed beforehand and those then become part of the next person's journey. And it's, oh, that's you know, this really, yeah, this really beautiful kind of function of that mm. um 
and we we also meet the naked barber who is a <laughs> fetish a fetish artist and porn actor in australia wow. who introduces kink into hair cutting you know he'll cut your hair completely naked and you know you talk about where your boundaries and comfort levels are with that you know do you want his junk to sort of nug- nudge against your face whilst he's cutting your hair that can happen um <laughs> And it's just really interesting, and it, like he'll interesting. He'll, he'll do full sort of manscaping below, you know, below the belt. You know, if you want to get into a harness in order mm. to make that happen, you know, it's really it's not just about sexual excitement. It's also just about this complete non-judgmental atmosphere sure. that he creates in this place. It's ju- it's all just de- like these huge attempts to try and get people to feel safe whilst being vulnerable. Mm. Um, and it's all about being honest about what people need and then feeling empowered to be who they are. Um. And it's about building community and awareness. And it's so rooted in these real experiences that feel authentic and relatable that it's just, I don't know, I just really loved it. I really loved how it was just a litany against, yeah. you know, toxic masculinity and this idea of, you know, be tough, you know, go get cut with a straight razor, you know, that kind of thing. It was all yeah. about creating like safe spaces for people to just finally be able to receive services that perhaps we take for granted. Yeah. Also tied into it is the importance of being proud of one's appearance, particularly with, um, well, just in anyone's life, really. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you do feel that your exterior is not matching your, you know, interior identity, then having like a haircut that you actually like could be such a huge part of your own self worth. Uh, The the guy who was running Big Bro's Barbershop talked about how he sort of, whilst transitioning sort of discovered a look he didn't know he wanted because you know as a result of being on hormones he started growing hair in places he didn't want and so i wish i could remember the phrase he used to describe the look he ended up with but it was oh something the word daddy was in there and it was quite (laughs) it's always good (laughs) and it was like i didn't know this was what i was wanting to go for but i ended up with it and now it's a part of who i am it feels like and that was really yeah really exciting to hear Yeah, yeah absolutely it was, yeah, a very interesting film and I really enjoyed it. That sounds great. Yeah, that sounds excellent. I'd love to watch that. Yeah. yeah it's it very good. It was also a bit of a, a bite of a movie. I think it was like 70 minutes long. Oh, wonderful. Oh, I enjoyed yeah. that. Yeah. Pack so much <laughs> into just 70 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, mm. all of these narratives and all these different perspectives. Yeah. It was, yeah, yeah. honestly, I could have been watching it for much longer. Wow. Great. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that sounds wonderful. It was very good. <laughs> Speaking of documentaries, a lot of the movies I watched this time were documentaries. I'm not yeah. sure why. There's Is it something... usually that documentary heavy during Flair? Because I think uh, because it's real, a lot of real world. Yeah. issues, I think you do get a lot of documentaries compared to the the reg, you know the London Film Festival. I think that's the case. Thinking back to last year, yes, I do think that's the case that you end up with a lot of documentaries. But I yeah. also do find myself drawn to documentaries during festivals because. When you're watching so many movies a day, you do find yourself drawn towards documentaries because they present their narrative so... For the most part, there's one exception to this we'll talk about in a bit. Mm. They usually present their narrative so straightforwardly. Okay. They walk you through the key points they want you to have. Yeah. They tell you what the ultimate message of the whole thing is. You know, it's quite accessible. <laughs> yeah, and when you're watching five films a day... When your shingles are playing up. <laughs> when your shingles are playing up and you've watched three Icelandic dramas... That are two hours long and feature no dialogue. Some, Sometimes oh, okay. you just want something accessible. That yeah, just says, this is it. This is the point. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you've got the point of the whole thing. You can yeah. go now. <laughs> so I do find myself drawn towards um, mm. documentaries sometimes. Uh, but then we have Sound of Scars. Sound of Scars. Which is, yeah, Lee Brooks documentary about the band Life of Agony, the sort of heavy metal band from the 90s. Oh, another who are heavy still, metal band. Yeah, another heavy Ooh. metal band. 
Um, and the reason this is featuring in the Flare Festival is because, very notably, uh, Mina Caputo, the uh, lead mm. uh, singer of the band, uh, transitioned. Okay. Um, playing sort of very openly, you know, the, the bands watched this transformation sort of happen. Uh, the fans of the band sort of mm. watched this transformation happen because they got big beforehand. Okay. And it's comparatively recently that she has um, she has transitioned, and it's just about the shared pain experienced in metal music. Yeah, yeah, the shared experience of suffering in this band and the ways in which metal music in particular communicates with mm. its listeners, and it's about shared grievances, depression, anger in particular, disaffection, and the impact that it can, that can come when that fan base then learns something about the band that they didn't know. Um, the band has suffered quite a bit and were very open about it, you know, all the way through their career. Mm. Many of them have experienced child abuse. Two of them are cousins, and they both okay. experienced abuse for, for uh, the same way, from Jeez. the same sort of abusive parent. Um, there's alcoholism involved, addiction, uh, trauma. There's there's all sorts of things going on with this band. And then when Mina uh, Caputo comes out, um, it's this interesting reaction from the band, many of whom their biggest reaction is, and it is a selfish reaction and an inappropriate one to have, but it's this very selfish one of, why didn't you tell me sooner? Yeah. You know, why? I, yeah. this feeling that somehow this was a secret that was kept from them, which is, you know, not a, a healthy reaction to have, but nevertheless yeah. is an understandable one and is like a very ultimately tolerant one. There's never a suggestion of, um, you know, oh, you must of doubting the decision or undermining it okay. or not accepting it yeah. which is very good and you know and Mina offers this very earnest and humane account of herself and there's this very troubling sense of who she was when she was not accepting this there's definitely it's night and day you see footage of her beforehand where she's this angry person and this very mm -hmm. kind of um you know this, mm -hmm. this kind of resentful and, and wild hot-headed and very unsettled and disturbed young person um and then afterwards with her interview footage which is actually shot for the film it's just so at ease with herself and who she is and just relaxed and confident and still big and still the same person but nevertheless just without so much of the trauma that's good that she was carrying with her and it's a really dramatic contrast which is just wonderful to see yeah um and she doesn't sugarcoat things. She says, look, a large amount of the... When I started performing in a very feminine way in, like, the band's, you know, social media accounts, um, you know, before transitioning and would just sort of do these poses and kind of things that were, would read to, you know, mm. heteronormative um, fan bases as being vaguely feminine, there was hostility that she faced yeah. in return um, that she had to deal with and ignore. Well, not... Yeah, it basically learned to recognize as for what it is and sort of walk away from yeah but then also just liberation for music and that by being sincerely herself she did manage to speak very authentically to a fan base that perhaps they didn't know was their fan base and yet you know they still mm. ended up becoming huge so it was a really good celebration of the band the only thing that maybe i could suggest isn't there that much is the music because okay. they have this electronic yeah. score that they used to sort of tenderly score this very you know evocative story of you know transformation and realization what isn't featured is very much of the uh life of agony music okay yeah which is interesting yeah uh but i don't know maybe they felt it wasn't appropriate it, it's it suggests more that this is from a filmmaker who likes the band more than the music yeah fair we mm. contrast interestingly with uh sirens where it was the music was very much woven yeah. into the Yes, absolutely. And Sublime. <laughs> they had a look both featured yeah, yeah. a lot of them playing. But maybe because they're smaller bands and it's more yeah. about 
that as well you know the story of them making it as well yeah you get a lot of the sort of ever so slightly hackneyed thing of you know seeing the band playing very hard and like head banging and you know really going for it but over the top you're hearing like really melodic kind of um okay you know ephemeral music to sort of yeah. emphasize that they're in the zone right yeah see. but yeah. nevertheless it was a really good documentary oh good yeah interesting yeah yeah i'd like to see that yeah Sounds very interesting tell you what though here's a narrative film mm. the divide the divide le fracteur the french one yeah well you did just say it in french so unless yeah. you're just being <laughs> a bit artsy <laughs> i say that of all the films i do i yeah. usually cut it out unless it's appropriate yeah. so <laughs> we'll find out in the edit um <laughs> So this is the story of a couple who are basically coming apart. It's these two ladies and one of them just at the point of breaking up. Well, not breaking up, but it's going to storm off from the other. She falls over and breaks her arm. Right. Yes. She ends up in the hospital where mm-hmm. their basically over relationship is forced to carry on for a bit whilst uh, one of them performs care functions for the other. Um, and then whilst this is happening, the yellow coat um, riots are happening. Mm. Well, I should, actually, that's not fair, is it, to say the Yellow Coat Riots? Um, protests. Well, I'm not sure how f- pro- protests are happening, which then turns into... Yeah, demonstrations are happening, which then turns into yeah, violence, not necessarily yeah. entirely on their part. No. Uh, the film definitely takes the idea that it's the police who instigated okay. um, the actual violence stuff. And that's an interesting perspective in and of itself. I'm not here to say it's right or wrong. I don't know enough about this. Mm. But nevertheless, the film interest- offers a very interesting portrait and terrifying portrait of a health system about to collapse because yeah. one of the protesters gets injured badly injured a grenade goes off underneath them and it fractures their leg and so they are brought into the hospital at the same point when this sort of you know middle class uh, woman is there with her broken arm and it's about the different ways in which they react to the system and how they are treated um and they end up forming a sort of rivalry and then a healthy uh, an unlikely friendship between okay. them uh, which is very interesting because again it's like the compartment number six it is about you know how the ten- the walls they have between them sort of come apart over shared experiences yeah. um which is very good uh and it was a very interesting explanation of those particular riots because you do hear both sides you hear the middle class perspective nice. of just you know oh this is just a right wing yeah. you know riot and then you've got the other side of things of just being no it's a working class thing you know yeah. we can't afford the cost of living that's going on and you know things going on on both sides and it was yeah, a very interesting attempt at like unifying here while still av- absolutely emphasizing the sort of working class struggle that's going on because mm. all the way through the story, the guy just wants to get back to his truck. Yeah. You know, he's got to drive his truck to where he needs to be, even though he's, you know, hobbling out of this place and is on so many painkillers. He mm. just, he can't afford to stay in hospital for a night. And it has kind of a boiling point feel to the hospital. They're doing terrifying things like going around giving people armbands that determine how long they're going to have to wait. Okay. <laughs> and it's just uh, everybody's in hallways and corridors and they get moved from one place to another and, you know, nobody knows where the doctors are. And it's just, yeah, relatable, unfortunately, but terrifying as well because it's like the next step on from mm. the bad stuff that's going on. Interesting. Yeah. It sounds very uh, interesting. It was very good. It's inclusion and flair is interesting because really... I was just about to say. It's, yeah. <laughs> really, just the fact that the, one of the main characters is um, a lesbian woman who is, you know, very in a very serious relationship with um, this other woman. It's very incidental. Mm. It doesn't really become a part of the story. And is that fine? Uh, it might be fine because, you know, eventually we want more of these stories. Yeah. Like you said, with... Uh, we're uh, sublime, sublime, you know. Mm. We want stories that aren't necessarily just entirely about the experience of struggling with having these kinds of identity, 
so yeah, maybe we should just be make it. But it's going to be very. It might end up feeling a bit arbitrary. Yeah. You know, like oh hey, what's this block Hollywood blockbuster doing there? Oh well, the main character's gay. Like yeah, so. Yeah. Loads it's... of them are now here in twenty fourteen too. Oh, it took ages. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing <laughs> about having a festival for a marginalized group. Yeah. Is that mm. ideally one day your festival will become redundant and you won't yes. need to have that anymore <laughs> because no one's the... being marginalized anymore. So exactly. That's the, that's the ideal, really. Uh, that um, maybe is the goal of Flair is to make itself redundant. <laughs> yeah. It's uh it'd be interesting to hear to listen to the um program what do you call them? Um Director? The, the, no, the people who choose the program for the festival. Yeah, program director. About, I think. Program director. Okay, yeah. Mm. Talk about their criteria for selecting films yeah. and why. Absolutely. Mm. Does it have to feature some sort of? I mean, ambulance could technically be played if the criteria is just it has to have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> some form of positive representation, but yeah. Mm. It's interesting. It Nevertheless, interesting. we have now another doc. Being baby. Being baby. 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 This is Emily Emily Branham's uh, or Branham Branham probably isn't it? It's a British director. Mm. Emily Branham's direct uh, documentary about the very first Ru- RuPaul's Drag Race. Oh, winner. BB, being BB. BB. There you go. I see BB Zahara Vanay. <laughs> yes, that's exactly who this is. I haven't watched RuPaul's Drag Race. so... Uh, I've watched almost every season of everything, <laughs> but not the close. first. Is that right? Not, I, I hear that the there's first, there is a fan thing that you're not supposed to watch the first yeah, one. Yeah, the first one was apparently filmed like on a you know. 90s smart you know a 90s phone yeah was it... <laughs> and ever with just vaseline over the camera <laughs> yes there is some footage of it and it looks like just like a stage show in yeah, like a nightclub incredibly low budget you know yeah just this small this is back you know you you've it's been going on for over 10 years now with paul's drag race and it's right. done a huge amount for mainstreaming drag mm. and so you've got to think back that over a decade ago when they first made this it was very much thought it would be a small one run season of something yeah, starring yeah. yes someone who is a famous drag queen but not yeah. ex- not still not quite the cultural the mainstream yeah. cultural person like yes. icon that they've become now with this extra yeah. boost so uh, yeah. yeah i don't think they quite anticipated it taking off the way that it did <laughs> no absolutely so yeah every so often you get this very low tech uh, footage of the sort of yes. first thing but it does still it still absolutely articulates the sort of you know what it became the sort of big mm. flamboyant um yeah you know uh reality of it and it's really oh you know, drama drama and drama it's, yeah and yeah, it's good I stuff and, and and he is such an interesting character within the um mm. within the film um because it is largely about his personality and it has the potential to be about ego okay but doesn't shy away from the fact that actually he's failed quite a few times to capitalize on um the success this is the um person who becomes bb right person who becomes bb well here's the thing is in the movie he identifies as he and uses male pronouns sure sure i just don't know Um, what his name is (laughs) oh no no you're right i don't know his name either okay (laughs) he's still the movie is very much bb focused and he's most of the time in character as bb he has a very confronting moment where he talks about um nia marshall kudi ngwa okay Cameroonian American. Marshall. Yes, he keeps calling himself Marshall. That's sure, right. Marshall. There we go. We'll call him Marshall. 
Well, I should say that, you know, maybe we could say that she refers to him as Marshall because he does treat it like these two different personas mm-hmm. and personalities. It's that very interesting. He mm-hmm. switches between, you know, sometimes he is talking as BB, sometimes he's talking as Marshall. Yeah. I think at one point he, uh, they ask him, what do you identify as in terms of your gender or sexuality? And he just says, I identify as Marshall. You know, it's, yeah. I am my own person. I just live life as I see as I see it. That's what yeah. it was about sexuality because they wanted to know if he did it, if he was, you know... If he was gay or straight or bi, and um, yeah. he just, you know, kind of dismisses the question. You know, it's just, I yeah. live my life as I do, um, which is very positive. There's a lot of positivity mm-hmm. here to it as well. But yes, he talked about his personas, and it was interesting because I think somebody asked the question, what advice would you give Marshall? They asked Bibi. Mm. It was really interesting. And, she, you know, the, she's saying in this persona to be confident, you yeah. know, to not worry so much. And it's the implication is that this is what Bibi afforded him the opportunity to do was to live more authentically and by taking on this mask mm. uh this sort of persona she was he was he felt more comfortable being himself yeah so to speak yeah and that was a really interesting mindset to explore but also he has he has this kind of immigrant mindset as well that you hear from a lot of people who sort of you know mm. are second generation immigrants in particular and sure. talk about this idea of having to prove oneself and earn Absolutely. one's place. And it was really interesting hearing about his kind of relationship with Cameroon and the people there and his family. His family are great. And they talk about, I think the mother says something like, you know, when asked, you know, did you have trouble accepting this? She said something like, if God didn't want him to do this, it, he wouldn't have put it in him. Oh, that's real and nice. Like, oh, that's great. That's lovely. <laughs> You're really neat. Yeah. BB mum. But when asked about what her attitude's like back in Cameroon, it's like they respect success. Okay. And I have been a success. Therefore, they respect that more so than whatever it was for, which is very interesting. (laughs) But nevertheless, we do still have um, interviews with people who are in Cameroon who have sort of taken this, you know, the lead of this and want to explore it. And they, you know, have their faces blurred out. There is still anxiety about their safety. So, yeah, there's definitely discrimination there. But it also wanted to demonstrate the positivity there as well and not make a generalizations he perseveres he keeps going and he's always you know wanting to do the next thing because he sees the value in his work and the representation that he is offering and yeah what the bb personality means to him and to others so yeah yeah, it was very interesting it was more than just a fluff piece good yes yeah it's interesting drag is uh it's Mm. it's very interesting it Uh, is it's someone that you know i'm coming from the outside i've watched a lot of drag race but i just yeah i find it um just just very interesting because it is very interesting. This is something that's been going on for decades and, you know, been driven largely by very marginalized groups. A lot of, you know, young, gay, black men yeah, driving this. And so you've got yeah. a lot of intersecting <laughs> issues and things and a lot of people who are second, you know, second or third generation immigrants and yeah, yeah. first generation have come over and, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah. Have you All ever... that was explored and it was very interesting. Great. That's fascinating. Have you ever watched um, Paris is Burning? The... No. Okay. It's a very interesting documentary, which is sort of, um, it's a uh, seminal. <laughs> it's about the, um, it's on Netflix, I believe. And it's about um, the ball scene, ah. meaning a specific type of event that would be thrown um, ah. in the 80s uh, in sort of, uh, I'm going to say New York <laughs> because... It's. Um, I think they cover a variety of areas, but I just call it all New York. You know, like Harlem and Queens and the other ones. Yeah, New York. Yeah, um, <laughs> and it's you know largely non-white 
gay yeah. men and trans women. Yeah. It, having a safe space for themselves. So it's a very, mm. very interesting documentary where they treat, they interview a lot of people, treat them all with a lot mm. of, um, I found, I, you know, very, a lot of kindness. And, oh, good. Yeah, it's yeah. a very interesting mm. documentary with fascinating footage, um, which is, if you've watched Pose, the, um, it's an American show, but it was the BBC picked it up over here at one point. Ah. And now I think it's onto Netflix, mm. but it's a really great, oh, it's so good. Um, and that's clearly, you know, but it's it's entirely about this same scene. It's based at the same time, but you can almost mm. sometimes it feels like some of the shots were taken oh. almost exactly from uh, the documentary. It's fascinating. It's great. It's really interesting. So um, yeah, very influential. Fantastic. Um, really interesting. Yeah. I just it's anything. It's that's, an interesting scene. It's a really yeah, interesting scene for what it represents. Questioning yeah. gender and questioning, you know, yeah, who what you are like. Do I have to yeah. be one or the other, or can I just embody both yeah. people in once? Just feeling like you don't have to tick boxes for yourself or anyone else yeah and it feels so it feels so sensitive and for me as you know as it's it's an interesting area because me here as like a a, a, you know cis male Mm. you know it it's it feels like there's a lot of um interesting ways in which this like you say the intersectionality of the whole thing plays off against each other and different you know ways in which people are interacting here so it's a very interesting area, and being yeah. being BB really helped. Interesting. I'd like to see that. Some of the scene. It was very good. Yeah. Anywho. Cool. Uh, moving on to another narrative film. We have oh. A Distant Place. Wowie. Yeah. Kind of accidentally, I've ended up alternating. <laughs> this is Ken Yong Park's uh, quiet drama um, about a dairy farmer uh, living in very rural Korea. Um, sort of like, yeah, a drive to your nearest building that has a cafe in it where people meet kind of rural wow um yeah very much out in the mountains where he is living with his um daughter mm-hmm. and the farm hat the, the person who owns the farm and then the um that person's daughter so there's a tight little community here and um it's then completely thrown into disarray when um the main character's lover arrives um you know and obviously people don't he, still closeted gay living Mm. up there um his lover arrives to spend time with him and also his sister who is i believe the daughter's actual mother uh, by a different father so he's kind of adopted her okay um and it's just about the sort of tension that plays out between them um in this very small community uh it's very evocative and haunting it's a slow build it's it's quite a quiet film that then has these big eruptions of drama later on um, beautiful use of the Korean countryside to suggest just a, a permanence and a, a serenity to the lifestyle that he's lived out here and you know the lover arriving doesn't immediately cause turmoil it's not like oh he's living such a good life but oh dear mm. he, he had to be gay yeah. it's not that the, 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 the lover arriving you know leads to like more serenity and more peace between oh. him and his environment um, but then also he's got this internalized homophobia and he's really mm. resentful of the attitudes the community has towards him, which turns into resentment for, you know, his lover, which um, is a very distressing thing to watch because, yeah, eventually the community does find out. And yeah, there's it's interesting because it's not overt. Again, he's not going to get beaten up in an alley, but suddenly the poetry class that the lover was delivering is very lightly attended. Um, okay. You know, people are snubbing him at mealtimes and it's just... It's really subtle but really horrible menace that just shows how othered he is mm. by this little community. Um, com- you know, contrasted with the absolute acceptance he experiences from the father uh, figure who owns the farm. Oh. Um, 
you know, and, and it's just there's the, these lovely little islands of serenity here com- contrasted with the sort of hostility that he has shown. And has really mm. beautiful performances throughout. And yeah, it was just a really melodic and slow, bu- slow burning story, um, which nevertheless felt very exciting and interesting that I really enjoyed. Mm. It was, yeah. A really excellent film. Oh, that sounds very nice. Yeah. It was good. It was a little fraught and quite sad. It was melancholy. Melancholy. Throughout, but, Mm. you know, still had this real poetic nature to it. Mm. Cool. Very good. Then we're back into Docs. Oh, okay. Yeah. Jimmy and Saigon. Very interesting film. Okay. Peter McDowell's documentary about his dead brother, James. Mm. Um, His brother went to Vietnam. He didn't come back again after the war. He stayed out there. Um, and later died when, you know, uh, the director was very young and he didn't really get much of a chance to know him. And so he revisits his family and he tries to uncover what the truth was and, you know, reveals these layers of trauma that they all experienced um, as he discovers, you know, various revelations. Uh, Peter McDowell, the director himself, is gay Mm -hmm. and he was largely trying to find out more about his brother who who it does seem as likely was living as well with a man out there Mm. and was worried, very worried about the discrimination that he was going to face from his parents Yeah, um, as a result. But also there's more to it than that. He's such an interesting magnanimous figure is the brother. Mm. He's, you know, he kind of just rejects capitalism and the west whilst he's living out there he becomes really resentful and it's this really beautiful sense of a man vanished Mm. because he goes out there eventually and starts speaking to people who knew him and you know what he got into in terms of drugs and uh the lifestyle that he was sort of living and there's this horrible sense that he lived a life out there a whole life you know with good parts with bad parts he worked and he didn't work and you know, he had friends and he had a lover and he had, you know, this family he kind of adopted, none of which the family back home in America knew about, none of which they were involved in simply because he turned his back. And I think there was this general sense, uh, if I remember correctly, he doesn't actually come out to his parents, but the the, the director did and had a bad experience of it, which then got Mm. better. She eventually sort of you know, the, the mother learned to do better, but still holds on to these prejudicial, prejudicial yeah. attitudes, which maybe the um, the brother may well have experienced as well. So, mm. yeah, it's it's a really beautiful story about a missed family connection because ultimately the two brothers could have communicated and learned so much from each mm. other. And it was this horrible sort of thing that was lost as a result of um, the unhappiness that came about due to the war. Um, oh. But also, yeah, his relationship with his parents. And yeah, it was really interesting and very interesting as well to see the state of gay rights in Vietnam explored through this perspective as it was oh, yeah. in the 70s and as it is continued to sort of be experienced by younger people out there. And it's a really great bit where she finds like the because, well, no, I don't want to give too much of it away, but he finds people out in Vietnam who are very interesting in their beliefs. And mm. yeah, it was very good. Interesting. That sounds fascinating. Yeah, mm, very good. Great. Okay. Last doc. Right. Last one? Last, <laughs> last documentary film. or last doc Last film. This is the okay, last, last film before okay. we have a little chat about shorts. Oh, yeah. No- North by cool. Current. Mm, North by Current. Angelo Madsen Minax's uh, film about a return to his hometown to explore the impact of the death of his two-year-old niece and his family. Oh. Uh, but ends up finding out much, much more about addiction and abuse and grief. Wow. Um, 
it's a film it's really interesting because he essentially goes out to find out how his niece died and what the impact has been on the family and he discovers all of these ongoing issues including issues that the family feel that he has caused because uh he is a trans man Mm -hmm. um and experienced a very difficult and problematic childhood in which you know he himself didn't when angelo was young he behaved in such a way that was very uh challenging Mm. for um uh, for the family uh or that they found challenging because ultimately he was unable to express what his you know concern was and what the reality that he was experiencing was um and consequently like the sister will say things like i felt like i didn't exist because it was all about you you know which is her experience you know and Mm. is difficult because of course it it's it's a fairly unsympathetic ultimately saying the words i feel ignored can be a very self-obsessed thing to say but can be a very real thing Mm. to experience and it was interesting as a result and the sister in general was a very interesting character because the film does feature some at at the very best questionable parenting that makes you a little (laughs) concerned Mm. um she has all of these kids and we're, we're with this family for about five years um this footage has been shot over and the kids all continue to use pacifiers dummies well into being a toddler and a quick Google revealed that that's, that's not what should be allowed. You should be taking that off of them at yeah. six months or so. And also she has this thing where basically she lost this child. And so she would have a baby and have the baby for as long as it was able to sort of recreate the experience of cradling her lost child. Mm. And then once the child got old enough, she would then have, you know, too old to cradle, she would have another child. So uh. there's this sense of kind of forced arrested development that she has that she needs to Mm. remain in this reality in which she still has her lost child and needs to keep recreating that process and that includes kind of further infantilizing her existing children but you know the film you know is saying you know you judge this woman if you dare you know if you feel that you know better than she does in terms (laughs) of how to raise these kids and fine you know it's, it's very warts and all and you know far be it from you know anyone to sort of say this isn't right you know it's it's very interesting. It's a fairly uh, troubling film. It's not going to shy away from the sort of darker aspects of the story it's telling. Mm. It was also very beautiful and melodic. You have this voiceover from uh, Minax and uh, and this sort of beautiful shots of the sort of frozen America where this is where this mm-hmm. is said, and just this terrible sense of pain and grief. So it was very full on, and it, it also explored the impact of the filmmaking process because the sister does also have a husband who is abusive and an alcohol an alcoholic. And the process of making this film in which he did do interviews with him, you know, proved to be triggering for him in some instances Mm. and did lead to abusive episodes. And that's really upsetting to Mm. see and very, you know, interesting to see in terms of the impact of the documentarian on the subject. Yeah, that is interesting. (laughs) So it was fraught. It was a tough watch, but it was, yeah, very human in its way and felt like it was exploring something very urgent and frightening. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. And that does it for the feature films. Wowie. You and I went and saw a short film compilation. Yep. There were many at Flair because ultimately there were fewer barriers to entry for short films. You know, it's still hard. It's still really hard to get funding together Mm. to film a short film. But in theory, it's something that is more open and doable than feature films. And so often film festivals feature quite a few strands of short film yeah uh things and flair features some really wonderful programs and we went and saw one of them yeah where do we go from here it was called yeah. uh so let's let's talk about the films together let's talk about first of all amps uh directed by yes. hadar hadar boons 
Yes, somewhere I've got the sheet that says all the names. Ah, well, Harold Burns is the director, and this is an Israeli film. Sorry about the pronunciation. But what is the story here? A guy has left a nightclub and has called his... Um... He's having a bad trip at a nightclub. He's having a bad trip. He's that's come it. out and he's he needs someone to reassure him, so he calls his ex. That's it. And his yeah. ex turns up. They have a reassuring talk to each other. Yeah. Eat some burgers, put a bag on one of their heads and have a dance. And it's... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's really lovely. The sort yeah, of sense I really of... enjoyed it. Yeah, a sense of lost connection being explored again. Yeah. And sort of old avenues being opened back up and shared history as mm. this kind of bonding thing between the two of them yeah. it's beautifully shot as well and just yeah. this tiny little crappy underpass to a to a nightclub entrance yeah. um like beneath the city and it was just still managed to capture the poetry and wonder of that moment particularly in the two of them dancing at the end yeah i really liked that scene that shot yeah. at, at the end was lovely yeah, it was lovely it was very intimate without yeah. being explicit and yeah yeah really really good film and i really enjoyed the sort of it was funny as well it was good dialogue yeah it was them. funny yeah. yeah, it was really, really good. Uh, crucially, yeah. though, Paul, how would you rate the burger? The burger? Oh, God, I can't remember it because he eats it, doesn't he? In, in spite of the fact he hasn't eaten meat in decades. But he's, <laughs> and he's not hungry. There's this really interesting perspective yeah. from him, the, the lover who gets called, and as much as he feels like he wants to explore things that he's afraid to because it yeah. also it goes into drugs and dancing and going to uh, gay bars and even their relationship with each other, that he is a bit afraid to do certain things. Yeah. Um. And that's a really interesting dynamic between the two of them because the other's obviously very free, very liberated. But he yeah. also feels that he maybe was a bit, sh- maybe not ashamed of him, but a bit, maybe a bit embarrassed by him. Yes. Or didn't introduce yes, him to his across. friends. And yeah, I thought it was interesting. You know, two people who were quite different from each other, but they have this yeah. little bonding moment again. And you're like, oh yeah. yeah, that's probably why you got together in the first place. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. It was cute. Very good. It was only like it was. seven minutes as well, wasn't it? Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> you pack so much into seven minutes. <laughs> Then we have private photos. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marcello Grabowski's uh, Brazilian short film about a couple who decide to uh, embark upon a threesome. Yeah. Uh, essentially with another guy. Yep. A hookup. Yep. A hookup. They use some sort of app because they're constantly talking about the pictures that yep. they have of him. And uh, they, they, the movie starts with them spying from their balcony to see if they can spot him coming up the street. And sort yeah. of being like, that could be him. And you know, you don't know who they're waiting for, but you suspect something. <laughs> yeah, suppose something's going on. And then he shows up and they all have a big old sex together. Yeah. And very steamy sex. Very steamy, very sort of uh, intimate sex yeah. that they, the, three, the three of them have. Very and good it was, scene. It's a very good, a very provocative scene yeah. and um, really exciting. And but then in and amongst the passion, it's then about it's this wonderful thing because I don't know you you have this like often cinema just does the flurry of eroticism. You know, mm. at the point when the ki- the characters start kissing, okay, now we do a love scene. It's this very choreographed, romantic mm. kind of thing. Here, it it kept the sort of human awkwardness of it, yeah, and the fact that basically one of them kind of stops being into it partway through and kind of goes, yeah. And then, but it's not. It they don't make that explicit off. until no. after the whole thing. You just suddenly thinking back, you realise that actually it became very much about two of them. It became a two-player affair, yeah. um, which is awkward because the two players weren't the two people who were meant to be together. It no. was um, one of the guys with the sort of uh, the hookup guy, mm. and the hookup guy is so interesting because he's this young man who, you know, seems again so free and so casual and so relaxed compared to this couple with all the hang-ups and the issues that they have with each their other. Their professional careers. Yeah, their careers and they're just, you know, the bonds they've made and the ways in which they've kind of, yeah, locked themselves down to each other, but in ways in which they also resent each other as a result, mm. uh, compared to this sort of, you know, devil-may-care guy who just kind of 
there's a line in there where one of them's really mean to him. Yeah. And then the other one's like, uh, why you didn't have to be a dick to him? And the other guy's like, I'm sure he's used to it or something. Yeah. So there's this like attitude kind of thing going on of this type of character. Mm. Yeah. It was it was very interesting. Very beautifully filmed in this tiny little flat, really picking up on the sort of the warmth and, you know, tenderness and exciting nature of, you know, of like a foreign body to them, mm. you know, like just a, a someone new. Yeah, which ultimately they're trying to use to to save a failing yeah. relationship in the end. And yeah, then... absolutely, and it explores why that's not the best of ideas. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. It's it, yeah. Yeah. It was very good. Really. I, yeah, really. I enjoyed it. I thought it was very good. Yeah, very passionately Agreed. made and very yeah relatable. Mm. All of these very relatable. All of these. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, but, I love a little film though. You can, you know, you can take oh, yeah. 10, 15 minutes and yet still create an entire, you know, believe yeah. every single character in it. Make them all Absolutely. Very human. So these were all very well done. Yeah, they really were. Yeah. And this one really was. Um, right, next one's my favourite one. The successful fouring of Mr. Moreau. Uh, this is uh, <laughs> okay. Jerry Carlson's uh, Swedish film mm-hmm. about a guy who, bas- it's a science fiction film. Yeah. Uh, basically, uh, this guy, his husband, I think, yeah. has come down with an illness that couldn't be cured at the point when it was diagnosed. And so he has been frozen and kept in basically the basement yeah. of his home um, until a cure can be found. And for the movie about starts... 40 years. Yeah, for about 40 years. And it starts with this this older man getting a phone call saying, you know, we've got a treatment now so we can start the foring process of your husband. And it's just about his reluctance to yeah. actually do that. How... 40 years have passed and it's so understated yeah nothing gets said nothing gets spoken out loud it is entirely left to inference and the sheer performance of the main character Mm. everything that's gone on 40 years of history he's experienced without his you know his husband is you know you know partner in life you know hasn't been there and so much has happened to him and he's changed so much how the hell is he possibly going to and it it comes out so feebly he just keeps like pushing it back like oh maybe you could do this tomorrow or Mm. you know maybe we're gonna have to look into getting this wall removed in order to uh or getting a window removed in order to get him out of the house and you know he's, he's just having to be sort of cajoled and pulled along to make this thing actually happen because he's ultimately terrified yeah by his daughter his daughter has to come in and say yeah yeah come on <laughs> you're being ridiculous you're yeah. being ridiculous um, yeah yeah it was really good mm, beautifully shot as well really abstract imagery and it doesn't and it sort of just ends with this container being taken away well it ends with this creepy vision he has yeah. right? he goes into his kitchen and he sees the husband is like, that the dripping. last scene i thought that I was earlier so. on oh i might be wrong i thought it was i thought the very last scene was i'm standing outside because he's in like a bunker underground in the snow i remember uh, dripping this... being the last image like a pool of water on the floor and it was like dripping onto it but i, I might be wrong i think my in my head the last scene was them standing outside in the snow watching the container go off into this future oh, helicopter uh... Well, one of us is right. Probably me. One of us is right. And it's probably... Either way, the imagery's great. The imagery is really, really good. And at the end of the day, which Mr. Moreau was being thawed? Oh, my God! (laughs) I I made fun of that. It didn't occur to me. It's very good. Um... I was very very proud of myself when I was like, I see what you're doing. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Next up, we have Refeel. Omar Harrell's uh, Mm. Israeli film. Mm. about a, uh, yes. a, there's a there's a drug isn't it? it's a drug that yes. can make you re-experience past experiences past memories and you past can memories. be together in the memory yeah. living it again this very glittery yeah. looking drink that they drink <laughs> <laughs> it 
looked like yes. drinking a bath bomb, but apart from that, <laughs> yeah. this was great. <laughs> it looks like J2O Glitterberry. Yeah, but really that's what that's what helps you to relive yeah. uh, these memories. Mm. So yes, they then go back and they revisit a memory that is positive for one of them, but the other hasn't. You get the impression they haven't had the heart to say, actually, this was not positive for me. And it was actually somewhat traumatizing for me mm. because it's the story of another threesome. Threesomes yes. don't get the best... Uh, no, not the best uh, rep in this. Not in this one, especially considering the next one that's coming up. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Jeez. Yeah, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 interesting because yeah, it's about one of them who I guess it's it's this interesting character dynamic again. One of them is looking to the past and sees their freewheeling kind of partying, you know, youth as being the best part of their life, whilst the other is much happier in their sort of comfort, comfortable sort of you know, steady rapport kind of life that they've developed. Yeah, going for brunch with his mum on Sunday sort of life. Yeah, yeah, that kind of life. And it's it's interesting to see how one of them is just sort of obsessed with nostalgia and looking back and, you know, trying to keep youth going. So there's mm. this science fiction premise, but it's very relatable because yes. it's about how one person just wants to keep reliving the same experiences they had when they were young, whilst the other is happier to move on past it and sort of discover a new mm. life in the future and yeah that is a very relatable um dichotomy i think mm. and it's very interesting um and beautifully filmed and well acted oh yeah yeah uh yeah and just a really neat premise it does that thing that great science fiction should do of sort of using a fanciful premise to explore something in our actual yeah. world yeah and particularly the two of them having very different memories of one experience yeah that's threesome. really great it was really yeah. haunting i think the imagery from that is possibly one of the scenes that stuck with me most out of that oh brilliant that program um, yeah yeah and that's really good yeah. and yeah. then we come to el video el video is, uh, el video el video <laughs> excuse me garçon el video please how would you pronounce el video el video el video yeah i like that yeah i like it too it's good el video por favor you're the worst i'll stop mocking you now <laughs> thank you el please video. continue omar e Gracias. Ospina, mm-hmm. uh, Colombian film, uh, about basically just a place where guys can go and watch pornography, but also kind of um, maybe have uh, a little what's the word up. hook up, yes, but yes, specifically, maybe, mm, specifically solicit. sort of pay, yeah, solicit sort of male sex workers yeah. for uh, for kinky acts, yeah, and it's just this, yeah, just this yeah, little rundown this... apartment with a few rooms in, yeah, it's <laughs> this TVs. you know just place where you can get whatever you need, yeah. whatever you need to be going on. And it's about these two, uh, this guy who's working there with his cousin. Yeah. Or he's, he's uh, one of them's working at the beach, but his cousin just, ha- where he just happens oh, well, to right, be yeah. hanging out there that day. I think because, yeah. you know, he's got a bunch of mates there. And... It's an interesting vibe because it's this horrible little building, really. It's really yeah, run it's down, not, concrete pretty, walls. Yeah. Um, it's not a sort of up upmarket no. kind of uh, <laughs> sextuary at all. It's just a, um, yeah. it looks like a locker room is what it looks like and there's these really disturbing sort of shots of people like walking into darkness and mm. you know expl- you know finding each other in the in the darkness and yeah it's, it, there's a sexual act that is commissioned a threesome <laughs> again yeah that is um again it, it's fairly bleak in its realization and you have this sort of hesitancy from one of the participants in particular yeah but then it's really interesting in the way it which just kind of moves on and shows the two pick themselves back up after that yeah. and just go to the beach and kind of move on with They're things just, and, and they have the next conversation what's great is that they they go you know he's he doesn't want to get drawn into this world but so these are venezuelan um mm. migrant you know people who've moved from venezuela because it's again another place with a, having a rough time of things and they've gone to mm. chile i think they're in right is it chile or is it colombia uh well colombia 
Is it Colombia? Okay. okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Last, the last one was uh, Chilean. That's it. There we go. Yeah. They're in um, strong Latin and Latin American presence. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Um, and they're there. So, you know, he's like, oh, yeah, I want the cash. You know, I'm sending it back home. So he does yeah. it. A bit reluctant. And then they're like, wait a second. We could make a lot of money doing this. <laughs> <laughs> and they just yeah. managed to, like, have a laugh with each other, even though they've they do. And it's a f- awkward and strange experience together. They, they both did. did out of necessity. It's a fairly sex-positive sort of um, yeah. a film in terms of portraying it as being a little, a fairly grewy, you know, not a positive experience necessarily, but one that yeah. these guys have the fortitude to sort of get through and exactly. live their life and use it as a means of trying to get away from their existing circumstances. Exactly. That it's a thing people yeah. do because usually out of necessity, it's a tool yeah. for moving on, but they're still very human and it doesn't make them bad people and they can still be... Yeah, and they're not going to be beaten to death or end up to, no. know, hooked on drugs or no. know, anything like that. It's just they're, they're, job. It's a yeah. job like any other. It's a know? bad job, and we've all occasionally had to whack off an old man, so to speak, <laughs> in our own way, if you're honest with yourself. Metaphorically speaking, we've all whacked off that old man. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it was a very positive film as a result. Mm. Yeah, it was very good. Yeah, it was very good. And then yeah. finally, we have Fervor. Was this the last one? Oh, yeah. Has that been seven yeah. already? Wow. Yeah. Uh, oh, Jose gosh. Manuel Velez. Mm. Chilean film about a young man who he's visiting his um a relative who's a gardener I believe he's I think he's so I think it's a boy and his dad who are working in the garden of this nice house oh I thought the impression he was visiting no it's the I think the the love interest is visiting oh okay because yes you have a young man who is visiting the sort of fancy house that they garden for Mm. yeah big villa big lovely villa villa, wonderful yeah wonderful uh, gardens and this beautiful sort of lake little yeah. area that becomes important later on and it's about how the gardener's son and the sort of you know rich household son have a moment they have a little mm. intimate kind of thing going on yeah and yeah it's about youthful longing it's about yeah first loves <laughs> first loves the excitement of sexual discovery yeah there's a horrible little like a uh, bucket of ice in the face um yeah moment of homophobia that happens sort of uh part way through just like it's a casual just a a comment yeah just a reminder that hey there's you a know. reason you're keeping this secret. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But nevertheless, it's still just a really positive and very sweet kind of film. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which I enjoyed quite a bit. Yeah, I it's, loved that. Uh, I thought it was very nice. Yeah, really lovely and a really lovely way to end the sort of uh, cycle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And that was Flair. And if this any of that sounds good, please keep an eye out for these films because they are going to be trying to get wider distribution. Great. Um, In the long run. And yeah, make sure you keep an eye on Flair because I sometimes worry it might be a little overlooked mm. in the festival season it comes very early in the year mm. perhaps on purpose to avoid you know competing yeah. with all the other festivals that are going on uh but god every year there's great stuff there that i end up seeing so yeah yeah this i think this might have been my first flair because last year was my first um properly my first london film festival so mm. i think this was my first flair because of covid yeah. so <laughs> but i really yeah. enjoyed it i had a really nice time it was great being yeah. able to like Dig into the program and pick things out. I think my first flare was 2017. Mm. I think so anyway. Yeah, I'd have to look into that. But yeah, it's 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 always been wonderful and there's always been yeah. a good mix of films there. Yeah. I think to dismiss any of them as just gay films <gasps> would be to really miss out on some lovely stories. Oh yeah, absolutely. So yeah, regardless of what any aspect you have interest in, if you had to pick one that you've seen to recommend to folk, what would you? Gosh, I don't know. It depends on what you're in the mood for. If you want um, yeah. something that feels a little bit, that's just a bit nice and sweet i really enjoyed sublime for just walking after yeah. being like i feel happy about things um <laughs> sirens was you know really interesting <laughs> yeah very interesting 
but uh and the shorts were all great and they were they were a roller coaster yeah um, so i don't <laughs> know program, i can't, yeah. I can't recommend just, you saw more things how about you well i i think it's manscaping for me i really oh, yes. want people to yeah see i'd really like movie. to see that that sounds yeah that sounds great it was really good and i hope okay. that that movie gets a wider release because yeah i was very impressed by it great okay wonderful and i think that's gonna do it great. for jen and the flair critic da, 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 flair the flair theme <laughs> <laughs> they commissioned me this year i wrote it that's good stuff every <laughs> yeah. it was just that it wasn't an instrumental it was no, just, it was just me <laughs> they played it before every film so uh yeah thank you you've been listening to jen and the flair critic a <laughs> <laughs> screen mayhem podcast uh my name is jen blundell my film critic is paul salt happy flair everyone good yeah night. happy flair <laughs> Uh, our music was by Jacob Blundell. We, you can get in touch with us on Twitter and uh, also go watch a film. Go, go watch, watch a, a film. film. Go on. Go watch a film and shake your usher firmly by the hand. Yeah. Thank you for this experience. Thank you. Thank I Flair. Left all of my rubbish in the screen. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm a messy guy. Oh, and take your rubbish home. If you go to the cinema and you eat something, yeah. take your rub- put your rubbish in the bin. Take your rubbish home. Don't check your phone. No. And, uh, yeah. Oh, and if you have a smartwatch, you put that on cinema mode. Oh, Jesus Christ, I'll keep it in your lap. (laughs) First swear of the film, of the podcast, but it's justified. (laughs) Put it it away. Put it away. Keep it in in your lap. Put it away. That's the messaging of Flair. (laughs) (laughs) Put it away. Put it away. I know this one. very much not. I know this one. It's definitely the opposite. But put it away. (laughs) Until you get home. Until next time, folks. (laughs) Yeah. Happy to whip it out again. (laughs) Keep flaring.